Well, here we are. We're the Pavement Ends Podcast. Got two very special guests today. Rich Dobbins from Buck and Bull Feeds and Chad Belding from This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, Foul Life podcast, Foul Life television show. Clay? How are you, sir? We're in the midst of uh, two great men. According to who? (laughs) I saw a Yelp review. Very favorable towards both of you. Who's a buy? <laughs> it's you a read, lie. You read Yelp reviews on a daily basis? It's a lie. Golden State guy, 22, at yahoo.com. <laughs> I just walked out to the uh, garage and thought to myself, what a great day when you can talk hunting in the middle of summer. Preparation for hunting. Mm-hmm. Buck and bull feeds. It's getting close to that time. What, so th- let's kick it off there. When should we start? When, when, when should we be filling feeders and getting ready? We don't know a lot about this. We're Nevada guys. You're not allowed to feed in this state. So yeah, we're uh, it's it's time right now. So these guys are getting ready. A lot of these hunting seasons start at the end of the month, uh, September into October. October. So um, it's going. Everybody's getting ready. Starting to get things jacked up. So our state the same way and. Um, this across the u.s you know everybody's getting excited you know so and you're in oregon yeah we're in oregon so the feeder's been sitting out there all year or four years or do you pull them every year or? well you a lot of these guys depending on where they're at on some of these hunting ranches they rotate these feeders and most of the time they leave them there where they're at a lot of these feeders are pretty heavy and some of them are you know mobile so they can move them around but uh you know they have hunting blinds set up as well so they pretty much leave them where they're at. But, but then you change the feed according to summer, fall feed. Yeah, or right after rut, you'll want to go to some pretty heavy protein feed because um, they lose a lot of weight during the rut. So prior to that, you know, you're just maintaining these deer and and keeping them going. Yeah, if you're doing if you're doing some different type of feeds, like if you're doing stuff for does that are fawning and stuff like that. Um, both of our feeds, we have a low protein, which is about 16%, and then we have a high protein, it's an upside of 20%. So we concentrate on both of those. So the lower protein, obviously, is a little bit cheaper feed, so that's a maintained feed. And then when we get into the rut, after the rut, then we they start pouring the cold to them and give them a the high protein. And are you talking all year round? <clears throat> well, these, these, these deer get fed year round, you know, especially on these high ranch fences, on these deer farms. Obviously, deer farms get fed year round, you know, because they're in pens. So... It's a, it's huge. It's a big deal, you know. And this feed, it's just like anything, you know. Some of these deer, you know, here last year and the year before, I was back in Texas. These guys are turned down a million dollars for a doe. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a big business, you know. And it's you know you get a good line, you know, bloodline. It's no different than horses. You know, you get a good bloodline going. No different than dogs. You know. So and they build up their name for their their farm or their ranch that they're raising these deer on and then they ride it you know and and people the other hunting ranchers stuff they're trying to get these that bloodline onto their ranch and uh, it goes from one thing to the next but is, is texas the the biggest i'd say texas of- you got texas in you know pennsylvania minnesota iowa you know you got all these different places but texas is probably the one that's grown the most so know. this is an investment in animals not unlike Chad, what you do with hunting dogs, you're, you're making an investment in an animal. You're going to feed them. You're going to take care of them. Mm-hmm. You're going to hope to spread their genes out throughout yeah. the 
Yeah, no different than any animal. You know, cattle, same difference. You know, you get a good bull that's throwing good calves and you got a good bloodline and, you know, same difference in the deer, you know. And, you know, a lot of these bucks, it's their genes and they're growing big horns. And when those go to hunting ranches, those big bucks, they get big money for them, you know. So, you know, some of these... I was talking to one of the guys last year in Texas. Some of these bucks are pulling down twenty, thirty thousand bucks, you know, to hunt them. And wow. it's it's big money, huge money. Why does it have the the kind of the stigma? You know, a lot of times when you see a picture of a guy and he's holding a big buck like that, and you know it's come off of a high fence. Mm-hmm. There's always been kind of a stigma for a guy like you or these guys that hunt a lot of DIY and public land. You know what I mean, Rich? Where there's a way that you know you can go into a place like the sanctuary in michigan or a lot of these deer farms and ranches and outfitter services in south texas and you can go in there it's it's not like you can even see a fence so Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that people understand that it's not like it's a a little cage and you go in there it's it's a hunt and it's it's you got to apply skills and your skill set to be successful but it seems to me like there's always been a stigma with high fence or raising deer when all of us it's exploded the last decade of raising big bone and having does that can throw you know a, a good herd of deer and protecting the herd food plots and attractants and feeds like buck and bull like we're talking about today but they have do you agree that there's been a stigma on it yeah i do and i think they got a bum rap you know i hunted back in michigan about five years ago and um the bucks there was two bucks that we were going after that were trophy line never seen them in 14 days and that was a high fence ranch yeah so it's not a gimme no not yeah, at I mean, all i remember when we first started filming i uh, our gun sponsor at the time uh, had a tag on a high fence in Idaho for buffalo and, and, and elk. And that ranch was like 125,000 acres or something. Mm-hmm. And we never saw a fence. No. And the animals were just as wild. Oh, they um, are, totally. So the only thing they do different... Um, <laughs> That's funny. Sammy Nanton's called me. He's got some feed, and he's going to be feeding the deer. He's called me right now, but I won't yeah. talk to him. But uh, Sammy, uh, when we were in Idaho, the only thing they do different on these farms, like on elk farms or whatever, is when they bring, when they get the elk back into the, say, pin to mm-hmm. maybe get their semen or whatever, they right. cut all the horns off so they don't gore each other and, right. and kill them. So they yeah. cut the horns off to protect them that way because they are... Absolutely. Protecting their Well, it's so, big money. Yeah, you big know, honey. You don't want to lose it. Do you, you know, you I've reckon- hunted on a 150-acre ranch after two big bucks there. We were there for 11 days and never seen those bucks for 11 So what days. if you are successful, though? Do you, do you tell everybody that it came off a high fence, or do you think that most guys are like... It doesn't matter. It's 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 to each their own. It's kind of like, you know, if you're going to kill a, a, a trophy mule deer in Mexico, that's not the same as hunting them in Montana or Colorado or Nevada or Oregon, right? You're in a high rack. You're 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 chasing deer that have never seen human beings before, barely. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that come with every different application of hunting, as long as it's ethical and legal. All right, but. If you went and killed a big buck, if you would have been lucky on one of those big, those two monsters in Michigan, would you? make sure that people knew that it was or does it matter well to me i would definitely promote the guide and the ranch that i was hunting on whether it was high fence or open either way um and i'd have been just as proud no matter what you know and like because it goes back to what we were talking about a second ago we never seen those bucks so some of these ranches are huge you know if you take the average hunter that hunts out on public ground that average hunter is going to go to his little sweet spot, and I guarantee you that he ain't going to hunt in a 100-acre radius 
yeah. the last three years. You know, he's going to go to that area and hunt in that area for the bucks that he's seen in the past or bulls he's seen in the past. I know elk hunting. I hunt in the same place every year. And I bet I within the three places that I hunt, you could add all that up, and it probably might come to 100 acres. So to go hunt on a private ranch, that is high fence. Then it's 1,200 acres. That's a lot of ground to cover mm-hmm. for a human. And if you and if you stack it up against somewhere like Iowa, yeah, where a lot of monster whitetails are killed in the corn, mm-hmm. cold weather, corn, yeah. food plots, a lot of land application, a lot of land management, herd management. Mm-hmm. They're doing the same kind of thing, really, with the power of their does, taking the weak the weak sperm out of the herd if they see a bad buck right. or a, a call buck bad or one genes. that's a g- bad genetic buck mm-hmm. you know you take somebody like lee and tiffany they consistently kill huge deer on their land that's not labeled high fence but they do such a good job in maintaining and manicuring that land they keep those deer there that they're de- and if they go on the neighbor's land they don't stay over there for very long you know it seems to me like they can hold a lot of deer even without a high fence around them so mm-hmm. i just wanted to kind of set the record straight of 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 I don't think that it matters if, if it's legal and it's ethical and you want to go kill a big buck and you have fun doing it and you process it and you butcher it and you eat it and all of that. then I, I, I because a lot of our customers with buck and bull are high fence deer farms, oh, yeah. deer ranches, deer outfitters and absolutely. and elk, too. There's there's elk high fence elk hunting, too. So yeah. oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I take it as hunters can't badmouth other hunters. You know, some people's. Uh, a guy who just uses a stick and arrow, you know, the very traditional bow, kind of looks down at a guy who uses a compound, and the compound guy looks down at a muzzleloader, muzzleloader looks down <laughs> at a rifle. You know, you, you just can't do that. We're hunting, we're providing. We're all we're in providers. the same game. Yeah, I mean, unless Skidmark's listening, you should not shoot a turkey with a bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> but then you go to Canada, where the, th- the forest is so thick, you can only get these deer out if you're putting hay out. Mm-hmm. You would never see them. Not everywhere in Canada. Not everywhere. I'm Saskatchewan. Just saying, Saskatchewan. But there's there's spots where, you know, you're you're feeding pigs, you're feeding, you know, right. and they hear that thing go off and they come to the feeder. Well, your 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 success rate on a bear hunt in Canada would be five percent if you weren't baiting. Yeah. No, so yeah. That, I mean, my point of Anywhere. saying all that is just <laughs> you, the hunters can't badmouth hunter hunters for doing what they want to do. Well, it's it's kind of funny you say that too because a lot you know I've hunted a lot of different people I've guided you know fishermen and hunters. Uh, antelope hunters and elk hunters and stuff and you show you see one of these big bulls that came off a ranch the guy's going yeah that's a dandy nine times out of ten that guy goes up i had the money i'd be hunting there too end of story right so a lot of it's just judged on can you afford it can you afford the time if you could you would if but if you can't you can't you know so that leads you out into the public lands and which is absolutely nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. Do you think the genetics ever sneak out into the public lands? Like maybe the yeah. the spider bull in Utah or some of these bulls you see taken off of the Henrys? Like, I don't know. Like, do wild elk get that big of 495, 515 inches? Or is there something going on where there's a little bit of a little bit of crossover? Well, I think you get some of that, too. I think it depends on their feed as well and what they're getting, you know. You, you look at, if you go to some of these places in Colorado, you see a lot of just rangy bulls, you know. But then you go to some of these spots, they're all they're not high fence or anything, but they're feeding on alfalfa. They got good feed and everything, and then bulls are huge, you know. And I was back there last summer. And we were looking at some videos and looking at some elk down there, and wow. I yeah. mean, I liked some bulls that were 420 and up, you know, and those were all in private land ranches, but no high fence, you know. So they're crossing back and forth, you know. So 
it's and it, it's all really relative to food and water, right? I mean, oh, yeah. that, that's horn growth, mm-hmm. you know, to boil down to the to the foundation is what what can they eat? And you know, we saw that on Chance's elk hunt. There was we found the, the bull's horns from a year or two before and much larger than what he was. But he chose 40 or 60 inches he lost yeah. in one or two years because the fire went he tried to there. stay yep. in, the, in the area where the fire was, so he right. wasn't getting the food that he was used to. Well, I had a ranch in uh, Northern California, and it was the ranch was pretty small place about 180 acres but it was on the smallest volcanic spot in the state of california i think it might be in the whole u.s but huge mineral deposits those horns that came off those bucks and they were blacktail they were you looked at you had cactus bucks that had points all over them you know we killed one buck that had like 100 points on it and it was still hard in the velvet so there's i think it has a lot to do with their feed and the minerals that they're getting their hands onto you know and uh it's pretty important. Yeah. You know, that leads us back to the feed. It's highly important. They get that mineral content, which we put in our feed, and they get that protein that they're looking for, you know. So how did, how did you start on the feed? I, I remember you telling me a story about you were, you were seeing some elk come down and feed on your horse feed that you have. Yeah, we did. That, that kind of started a little bit, but what I was seeing was out there in the market, it's, it's 99% corn, right? And all the studies that I've looked at at corn and stuff, this, that's not good for deer. They don't get much out of it, and as us humans know when you eat corn you know what comes out corn you know it's not much different with deer and 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 other animals so i thought man we got to come up with something and we have the ability where we're at you know in northern california to do with all the different products we have at our hands you know and i thought man we need to come up with something different good protein good feed for these animals and uh, that's where we started it and if you watch some of these elk and stuff up at our place you know going after the feed for the horses you know they'll fight over it you know and uh, so it's been a a exciting thing to to start you know and that's one of the neat things about our feed we have no corn in it i was going to say what's the key ingredient if you don't mind me asking one of the key ingredients is alfalfa second key ingredient is ground almond hulls oh nice in the state of california you have thousands of acres of almonds almond hulls are a, a good protein it's a sweet taste um, and then we have other stuff like prune in there, different different products in there. It's only, you know, specific for California. You'd have if you lived in Montana or somewhere. The only thing you get your hands on probably alfalfa, you know, or grass hay. So, it's a really super good blend. And then the mineral um, vitamin pack we put into it, we've had that specially designed um, so they get good growth, you know. And one of the key things with deer, if they don't need the minerals. Yeah, you can put feed down there. If they can smell the minerals in the feed, they won't go after it. They'll drive by it. So the key thing was try to mask these minerals so they get them in their system, you know, and keep them healthy. And uh, the ground almond hull is what masks it, you know. It's a sweet smell, sweet taste to them. Is an almond hull a like a something that would have been thrown away or is that is it used? no they use it in feed and cow feed big time you know it's a fall down product off the almond nut so you got the outside skin part which is the almond hull then you got the shell then you got the nut obviously they're going after the nut the uh, shell part is ground up and using some feed and then the almond hull is ground up and used in feed as well and that's part of one of the products in our horse feed as well so So when you say smell it's an attractant and then once they get to it it becomes a high level feed and quality source Mm -hmm. of protein you bet along with the alfalfa you know 
as you well know, anywhere you go in the United States, if you want to look for deer, elk, or antelope, look in an alfalfa field, you'll find them, you know. So that's a good good natural protein for them, you know. So what that blend is, is working well, you know, really well for this feed. The other neat concept about the almond hull is we don't use a binder in our pellet feed. Uh, a lot of companies use molasses or they'll use a bentonite to hold that pellet together. And the ground almond hull is also our binder for our feed, which works out fantastic. So we don't have any ad- outside additives, you know, like molasses, high sugar content. Because you get sugar spikes in animals just as well as you do in, in humans, you know. So you get that sugar high and then they come off it after the feed's gone and then they're looking for that again. Uh, that's why horses crib. You know, cribbing is a when they're chewing on wood, they're looking for the sugars in the wood. You know, they get a, a high um, molasses feed, and they get that sugar high, and then they get let off of it, and that's what they're doing is looking for it again. So, does, does an animal that's that's being fed, whether it's a deer or an elk or whatever? What is the percentage of eating feed versus eating it? You know, natural grasses or whatever's around. Is do, do they become solely you dependent. Know, dependent on feed? Uh, not necessarily, no. You'll, you'll watch a lot of these deer um, on like these corn products and stuff. They're not getting what they're wanting, so they'll they'll pass it up. And that's what kind of started this whole thing. I tried a lot of these deer tractants and stuff. I couldn't get a deer to, you know, half of them just drive by and lift their leg on it and keep going. I'm like, what is going on with this stuff, you know, and these these molasses blocks with corn in them i couldn't get anything but squirrels to eat them and this deer cocaine and all this different stuff and i'm thinking i haven't found any of this stuff that worked yet you know and then i got to think and i said well if you're going to throw this crud out there to try to attract deer why don't you throw something good out there that's good for them that attracts them and that's where we came up with the feed so yeah i've seen so many of these you know i see them advertised all the time and and i don't know maybe i'm the only one who can't get them to work but <laughs> i mean i hunt in michigan i hunt in nevada oregon i've hunted in california montana all these different places and i haven't seen one yet that does anything you know but you but, didn't just come up i mean thought process you thought that just throw something good but you you've been in the business of feeding other mm-hmm. animals for a while right oh yeah a long time so yeah. you and horses i mean other anything besides horses cattle you know cattle yeah. and horses yep yeah big time and then you came out with this idea and you already had the process and the plants and the yeah the, the yeah we got the ability. the ability to make it we got the machinery to make it and we got the you know the raw product to make it and that was i you know whole thought process behind that is i want to come up with a good feed because i hunt you know my family hunts all my friends hunt my partners hunt i'm thinking we got to come we got to help this industry it's the number one growing ag industry in the u.s you know it's feeding deer and elk yeah it's really? deer farms yeah wow. it's number one number one huh yep Great. it's been growing for she's i don't know how long but uh you know, there's, I think, over 8,000 of them right now, wow. you know, deer farms and stuff going. So it's it's a big process. Where do you manufacture the feed at? Northern California. So it's made in the USA. It's good for the animals, and a hunter makes it. It's a, that's a win-win-win in yeah. the book over here. You know, and we got a lot of interest in it across the United States, you know, and everybody's just kind of waiting in line, and, you know, we're, we're taking baby steps, getting there, and making sure we 
all of our testing's good, which we're doing, and it makes sure our customers are happy at the same time. You know? Who, where can you use it? You mentioned you're from Oregon. Right. Can you just go out on a mountain range and throw down some bucking bull and hope a, a, a 460 walks in? <laughs> or, or I mean, obviously, Not you got to check your regulations and all Oh, yeah. Every state's Like different. Kansas, you can let a feeder go off and the deer come to it like it's a like a, a, a buffet, right? There's oh, states absolutely. that you can do that all over the country, mm-hmm. even on even for a, a regular hunting not a not a high fence operation oh, yeah. or a deer farm just i'm talking about DIY. yep DIY. i mean you got to check your regs a lot of them it, it kind of depends on what state you're in you know some of them you can bait bear some you can't some you can do deer some you can't some areas you can in the state and some areas you can't so it's best you check to see what state you're in and what's legal you know texas pennsylvania minnesota iowa wisconsin you know there there's a lot of them out there you know they're running the deer farms and, and have the high fence ranches and stuff texas is probably number one for that but uh yeah they can feed 24 7 on, on the private ranches they can do what they want with their animals right because they're yeah. not getting out to the they're regulated though, yeah they're, by fish and game and you know oh, I was, they are oh yeah i, I was out there uh last year and and uh, happened to be on one of the ranches when fish and game showed up and yeah they they go out and make sure their pens the right size make sure they're getting feed make sure they're they got to keep books on them and the whole nine yards it's pretty tight pretty tight system and are we only talking whitetail deer when we say deer does anybody have a mule deer ranch oh yeah they got elk and mule deer as well. idaho yeah. for sure yeah. yeah really yeah i think like I, down in texas where i was on a big elk ranch down there as well and they're running probably about 2500 head down in texas they got everything they got ibex and they got this <laughs> oh, and no, that they, they got, got everything. everything well what about those what about all the the ibex and everything they they're gonna get a ton of value out of this as well oh absolutely absolutely you do bet they all do you know and that's you know the 10 percent of like if you look at how to run one of these deer farms and, and everything 10 percent of your expenditure is feet and that's year round you know you might spike up on fencing you might spike up on equipment and different things but consistently 10 percent out of your out of your money is for feet and as amount of money that they spend on these animals, you want to make sure that feeds top-notch quality. You yeah, know? for sure. And uh, I didn't know they were regulated. I mean, it doesn't even make sense to me that you can have your own animals that you buy and do and then still be regulated by a yeah. government agency. Yeah, you can. You know, they do, it, a lot of it's humanity. One of, you you yeah. got to make sure you're humane to these okay. animals and stuff that. like that. Yeah. So it, it's, it's you know, the ones, the guys were really great, you know, the guys that I met because I had a lot of questions for them. And uh, they're really good with these ranchers. The ranchers are the same way back with them, you know. Can so. they, do they regulate? like in other states the number of tags that you can hunt off that property or they just maintain they're they're mainly making sure these animals are taken care of yeah and uh, there's enough room for the amount of animals they have you know so you know i can only imagine they've probably ran a couple cases where these animals have starved to death in pens or something like that but uh, you know i'm I'm sure that's the reason behind the thought process (laughs) just reminded me of a story that our uncle lavore tells and his dad uh, they had a 10,000 acre ranch um, in northern Nevada. And in Nevada, I'm sure maybe in Oregon too, you get um, landowner tags mm-hmm. to yeah. where on cultivated land, if you had 50 head, for every 50 head, you get a deer tag mm-hmm. or whatever is feeding on it. Right. And then you could sell that deer tag to try to recoup the amount the, of feed that they're going to eat losing. off your land. Right, right. right. But so. Uh, 
Ori was his name. He died at 97 or something. And he had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deer eating off his alfalfa. Mm -hmm. And the deer tax weren't worth anything. And he wasn't getting any amount of money back to what he was losing off his feet. So he called the the fish and game and said, are you guys going to come get your deer off my ranch? And they're like, no, it's it's kind of just wherever they go. And they're like, well, they're eating my food. You're going to compensate me. No. And he goes, well, and they wouldn't come. They would never do anything. He mm-hmm. says, all right, well, I'm going to start shooting today. And whenever you get here, I'll stop. <laughs> the next day they were there getting yeah, the deer. Figuring off, it out. Figuring <laughs> it off because yeah. they didn't want, he's like, I, I don't want to, I can't say what he actually said, but pretty much <laughs> come get your deer, yeah. you know, off my property or they're all going to die. Yeah. My uncle has that <laughs> problem, you know, and, and, uh, with antelope. You oh, know. really? Oh, God. You know, and he's, you go out there and they get it under control now, but a few years back, 10 years ago, it was way out of control, but now they got it really regulated where there's only so many out there because he's running a cattle ranch. He's not running an antelope ranch, yeah, exactly. you know, and he owns it and he's waters it and he, you know, seeds it and cuts it. So he don't mind feeding a few of them, but you know, after a while, you know, you got a herd of 150 here and 150 here and pretty soon. It's all That's, you're doing is feeding antelope. Well, you know? Lavore was the one that, you know, said, you know, that in a night a deer might eat two pounds of food, you know, mm-hmm. no big deal. But when there's a hundred of them out there and they're out there every single night, yeah, That's you a know, lot it food. adds up quick to where, you know, you can't just have a hundred deer standing out in your alfalfa eating. You won't have anything left, you know, so. Oh, or a white faced cow. Or <laughs> white, where the hell do I get a white faced cow? So what about the, what about the average? Do you know any of the numbers or what? Maybe we'll take a, certain, a specific species like a whitetail. How how many bone inches of horn can a whitetail put on in a year? Is there numbers on that? Is there studies on that? Is there an average on that? It, obviously, each each herd is going to be different. But what do you see on these deer farms when they're eating the buck and bull? Is it a huge amount of growth every year? Does it vary? Do the does get way fatter? Does their milk taste better? What is what what is, what's going on with with you know within the species? Well, we've done some studies, um, and this similar. This feeds a little bit different. We did some stuff with goats, um, and these are goats that are they're raising for milk. Uh, milk goats really expensive. Um, they use a lot of milk goat and or goat milk in raising horses, colts, and stuff. So one of the things that we followed, and this was in New Mexico and Arizona, is that uh, their milk percentage went up big time um, with this feed, and they buy a lot of it, you know. And that was one of the things, well, yeah, God, they're doing healthy, you know. And the guy's just raving. He can't even keep enough feed there, right? So I thought, wow, that's that's interesting. So why don't we apply that to deer, you know. And I think the, I think the whole idea is to keep these animals healthy and keep them up and going, you know, and animals will fall off just like a human or anybody else. And I think these, these tests that these guys are running and stuff and keeping track of the stuff, I think time will tell where we're at on it. Um, I can almost guarantee they're going to do way better, you know? And yeah. And so, I would think, uh, sorry to interrupt. I, I would think that the, the process of having those nutrients and that feed in you takes off a stress off the animal. Oh, you know, totally. You know, when they're feeding their fawns or anything like that, mm-hmm. they have they don't have that extra stress added to them. Yeah. And so they can thrive a little bit more sure. yeah. without having that one. Yeah, extra. they're not falling off. You know, you want to keep them healthy in anything, you know, especially with these animals that are pinned up on these deer farms. Something could happen and it can happen fast and it can happen to the whole bunch of them, you know, because everybody's, you know, close 
quarters with each other. So you get, it's just like some of these animals, you know, you get, you know, I think it was, I don't know, six, seven years ago in California, you lost a lot of blacktail, you know, due to disease and hoof rot and different stuff like that. So, and those animals are spread out, right, over a, you know, say the Mendocino mountain range. So you get something close quarters, Go they can quick. fall fast. Yeah. Yeah. We lost fall a lot fast. of our uh, sheep. sheep here, you know, they mm-hmm. caught a pneumonia or something like that, and it, it just ran through. This podcast is brought to you by... Bush light. light. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be a good. Uh, that'd be a good little game to play. You gotta take a drink out there in the world every time you hear one of us crack a new one open or something. <laughs> what if they're driving? <laughs> they could pull over. Hopefully, they don't have anything within reach. You really cover all your bases, don't you? <laughs> Who'd you say this was brought to you by again? Hold on, let me. Bud Light. <laughs> Anheuser Busch. What a, I, I had a question hit my mind. So, will everything eat this? I mean, we were up in Mexico and, and um, down. I get down in Mexico, and um, <laughs> even the, even the coyotes were in there, kind of picking through the feed and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, when you go out and you feed, your turkeys are coming in there eating it, pigs are coming in there eating it. So, oh, there's yeah. a there's probably a loss factor that these ranchers have to think about too, right? I mean, well, that's like like in Texas and California, the pigs are just you know you got to keep them under control. You know, that's why pig hunting's the cheapest thing you could do, right? Because that's why they invented helicopters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you watch Pig Man on TV, it gets crazy. Who but pig man never heard of her yeah <laughs> once <laughs> but it, yeah they will i mean our dogs will eat it really yeah you know will i got some videos at home they're you know like on the horse feed side of it they'll drag they'll drag 50 pound bags out of the bag of your pickup hmm. rip them open and eat them dogs will eat it everything eats it you know and it gets it's, they like the taste of it. It's good. You know, and that's the whole key. You can put stuff out there with animals, and if it don't smell good or taste good, they're not going to eat it. Sure. You know? So you got to draw them in, thus the attractant. And if you're going to do that, give them something healthy to eat. You know, mm-hmm. no sense of throwing a popsicle out there. There ain't no good for them. And, you know, and then they come back the next day, and they're not getting anything out of it, you know. So if you're going to attract, use this, you know, for sure. That so way, at least you know those deer are getting healthy because they're not the only ones eating out there. So. so this isn't something where you go into a retail outlet and buy one 40-pound bag of deer food like you would for a dog, would you? Is this something that, you know, you got to have a substantial amount for to most customers? Are they bringing it in on the pallet load on a loading dock, or how does it usually work with our customer base? Well, both, you know, both. You'll get somebody, the, the retail side of it is somebody wanting to try two or three bags, you know, to see how it's going to work out. And if it works out, then they come back and they order a pallet, you know. So, you know, I've done the same thing with dog food and same thing with horse feed. You know, I'm going to try a few bags. I'll go down and buy two bags, try you it. Mean, eh. tr- you mean try it as far as the horse eating it and liking it? Right. Because you can't really tell any difference in a no, horse No, you after. can't give a, you can't, yeah, you can't give a horse 100 pounds of feed and hopefully turn around from yeah. being sick. No. You want to see if they're going to eat it, yeah. you know, and I've bought horse feed. Well, I got videos of it. There's there's five of our competitors out there. <laughs> they drive by it all day long, you know, and they'll go up and take a nibble of it. Nope, nope. And then end up on our feed, which is, you know, makes us feel good. But uh, I've had big horse owners on the horse side of it that you know, they said, well, this horse doesn't eat any feed at horse shows. This horse is worth $143,000, really. And 
give them our feed, and the horse just mows down on it. And the guy comes over, and these people travel as nutritionists for their horses and all kinds of stuff, you know. And so we take that same look and that same aspect into our deer feed, you know. We want our customers happy. We want these deer healthy, and we want the deer to eat it. Yeah, you can't you know? cut corners when you're putting food no. into a pet. Like, yeah. I was up at, at Royal Canines Facility in Ohio last year, and, you know, they were partners with Yukonuba Dog Food. They, they're amazing. Their recipes are amazing. Their science, their research, everything that goes into their labs, their doctors, their scientists. And they did this test in front of us where they're in a, a, a just a normal American household setting. It's in the it's in the garage and the owner pulls out a dog food bowl. So the dog knows that he or she's getting fed, obviously conditioned. Right. Mm-hmm. When they see that bowl come out and they feed it with a, a non Yukonuba dog food, they put that in there and they place it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see what you say drive by, you know, like they just turn their nose up to it. And the Yukonuba is put into a bowl, put up on the counter and the lab jumps up onto the counter top and starts mowing that food. Yeah. And I've seen it with this new diet that we're feeding right now that hasn't been released yet. I've been feeding it the last 30, 40 days. And I watched Axel eat today. I, I put the food down and then I, wa- I backed off and I acted like I left. But then I peeked my head around so he didn't think I was going to let him out again. Mm-hmm. And literally it was like a lion on a zebra. <laughs> He's just tearing it out, and there's food flying out and slobber flying out of his mouth, and he just he didn't it was he he wouldn't let up one bit. Yeah, and that there is a big difference in that when your cousin Eddie in Christmas vacation filling the cart with old Roy, that's a lot different than feeding a high quality food that's going to add all of this years on to that pet's life and letting them have a better life daily, right? Oh, absolutely. It's same for deer and elk. Yeah, deer and elk. I mean, all animals, you know, and. It was funny. I was talking to my wife yesterday. We were, we got horse feed, automatic horse feeders there too that uh, MB Ranch King makes for us. And it's funny to watch these horses because they just jones over it, you know, and they're they're getting after it. I mean, this feed hasn't hit the pan yet, and everybody's getting in position to get their feed, you know. And the same thing with the buck and bull feed, you know. You watch elk go after this stuff, and it gets pretty western, you know. <laughs> um, and, they'll stand up on their back legs. Oh, and they Mike, fight. They'll Mike Tyson each other. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, and the funny part about it, they'll learn when that feeder comes on. They'll all be there five minutes before that thing hits the pan. That's what I was just going to ask. As far as feeding, it's the ranches know. I mean, is it given every four hours, once a day, twice a day? What I mean, most of these ranches are feeding. Mm-hmm. You, what is it? It depends on what ranch you go. A lot of them got gravity feeders. A lot of them are free feeding. Um, a lot of them got automatic feeders that come on, you know, two, three times a day. It kind of depends on where they're at. I think location. Um, if the deer are traveling a long ways, you know, it depends on where the feeders are located. So it depends. A lot of these guys are free feeding, meaning they go out personally twice a day and side by side and they're dumping feed so if an elk or deer like it so much going back to alex's question are they only they're going to wait until that thing goes off and not eat anything else because no, they'll be grazing they're know. still grazing mm-hmm. getting whatever they need and they this is kind of right a treat at yeah, the this end of the is day. the cherry on the cake right okay. here, you know. And, you know, if you go to the deer farms, obviously they're feeding this straight up, you know. They're not they're not feeding anything else. The deer's out in the ranches and in the wild and stuff, that's a whole different case. So they can eat this feed nonstop and be fine with it and get everything they need. Right. But stuff, you know, our buddy Sammy, who's going to feed it or is feeding it in Kentucky, mm-hmm. he, can, he puts it out in his feeders once or twice a day whenever it goes off. But mm-hmm. those deer... 
Yeah, you, what he's trying to do is keep, you know, I don't on know. a certain property. Sure. Yeah. You know, so if these deer are mosing around on two different farms or three different farms and he's feeding choice feed over there, guess where they're going to be all they're the time? They're going to be all the time. Yeah, they're going to be coming back and they're going to either stay there if he's got other feeds also, or if he's feeding them full up, you know, they're going to stay on his place. You know, and that's the idea. You're going back to Lee and Tiffany. They're doing something right there because they're drawing them bucks in on their place all the time, you know. So, so let, whether it's their feeder or uh, can they feed where they're at? Who? Lee and Tiffany. Can they use feeders or just they use food plots? I, I don't, don't know. I don't Iowa. know. I know they have food plots in Iowa. Yeah. But that's not considered baiting. That's considered a management a of the land. Yeah. yeah. Normal farming practice. Right. But, but you're achieving the same goal with a food plotter. Exactly. How did, we, how did our grandparents or great grandparents ever kill a big buck? <laughs> in, a, in a flannel shirt with a cigarette hanging out of their and mouth. Blue jeans. <laughs> yeah. And a truck engine running. But how did they ever do it? I think, how did Fred, yeah. Beer kill, Fred Bear kill all those big deer? Pressure. I think, uh, yeah, you know, I got pictures. My dad was like 19. He got the opportunity to shoot archery with Fred Bear, which was pretty some pretty neat photos. And, and when my dad was growing up, I was talking to him about it, you know, because he said, well, there was just a lot more animals and a lot less people hunting. Yeah. He said there was, we could go hunting. He goes, me and my buddies, you know, we were 18, 19 years old, archery hunting. And we knew the other four guys on the whole mountain that were hunting. We camped with them. They went one way, we went the other way. He said, so there was more animals, less people hunting. You know, like the state of California, they're handing out like, God, you know, 100,000 deer tags. Well, you'd be like, if there was that many deer in California, you know. So it became a a business for the fish and game department as well, you know, sell more tags, make more money, even though there's less animals. Yeah, less animals. And those people that get those tags, they only get it once every five, 10 years. So mm-hmm. they're going to kill the two-year-old and not let that two-year-old grow up and spread his genes and do all that stuff to get any big deer anymore. I mean, I remember growing up, you know, archery hunting with my dad and I was, I started when I was four or five years old and it would be nothing to see 20 bucks a day. Now I could go in that same area. I'd be lucky to see 20 deer in a day, you know, not bucks, just 20 deer. 20 deer and, and not only pressure from people, Mm -hmm. but pressure from predators oh yeah mountain lion are through the yeah, roof they quit Coyotes mountain lion the, hunting back in the 80s yeah in you california know, they cut off all the the houndsmen off so yeah. you know the bear killing went way down you know same same thing here in nevada there's a couple areas 014 in particular mm-hmm. that used to be considered a trophy area mm-hmm. you wanted to get area 014 you put in for it yep number one choice now you might we we were up there a couple of years ago. We saw more horses and mountain lion than we did yeah mm-hmm. deer. Well, that's another thing too. They used to handle the back in the day. They used to handle these you know burrows and they used to handle these horses in a lot different way they handle them nowadays. Yeah. So now you got that competition for feed as well. Exactly. You know. So yeah, it's changed over the years. You know, and and uh, obviously the equipment hunting equipment's changed over the years. You know. I can sink arrows into a, a Copenhagen lid cannon at 125 yards, where, you know, 25 years ago, not happening. Yeah, you hit a paper plate at 50, you're doing something, you know. So, it, things changed. You know, rifles have changed, obviously, and and archery equipment as well. So, you know, I, I think what happened was is progress and engineering and all this technology technology came out, but it had to keep up with what you're hunting because now those deer that you were hunting. 
you know, 25 years ago, there was abundance of them and they were 50 yards away. Now there's, if you're lucky, you see four a day and it's 110 yards away, you know, so, or further, yeah. you know, so, and you got to get back in the backcountry, you know, so. Speaking of technology and fishing game, it just kind of, I was thinking about Chance's Bull. Do, do any fishing game that you're aware of around the state use feed to like, you know, like his bull was stuck in that burn area or chose not to leave that burn area or whatever. Supplemental with, feed. with where we're at in our, in our world and, you know, the fees they collect and all that, they, would they ever feed, you know, oh, they tr- do. to try and supplement? They, they do. They do, do like up in Oregon and Montana, you know, in the winter months, they feed, they, they spend a lot of money on feed trying to keep those animals survive through the winter. You know, you it's know. an investment for them as well. Right. They oh, want yeah. to sell deer tags. They don't want them all to die off. I, no, I've never heard of that happening in Nevada. So yeah. I was wondering. Oh yeah. Up by, up by like jackpot on those deer runs and those bridges, they'll put hay around them and, oh, they do. and, and, and feed the meal. Oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. When you run through water, Wyoming, there'll be hay around all this, all of the, you know, I eighty's full of it. Yeah, for when the snow gets too deep. Yeah, we're in conversation with Oregon Fish and Wildlife right now about doing some testing. You know, we're we're just starting that. So, you know, the amount of money that what happens is, is the amount of money they spend during the winter months. You know, feeding alfalfa mix or alfalfa straight up, trying to ends up what ends up happening is the animals the amount of food that they digest they're only getting about 40 percent of that the rest of it's going out the back end the rest of it they're laying on it right or they're trampled it down yeah. so they're not getting that so they're spending they're throwing away half the money that they're spending on the ground basically mm-hmm. so if we can come up with a good program for them to help them you know with this pelletized feed that they're getting all the feed in their system and they're not laying on or tromping on it it's going to be a, a money savings for them and a total upgrade for the animal you know as far yeah. as health wise so I like it. you know and we we totally want to do some more of these with some other you know government agencies you know around the states so which we're working on now as yeah well. I, I remember now that it- when they had that big Australian fire, they were they were feeding those animals, you know, to try and help them get through that time. And mm-hmm. it makes sense that our fishing game, you know, should be doing a similar program. Yeah, for, they should be doing a lot more than they are. But yeah, a lot of them are on the right track, and then some of them not so much. But you know, it's uh, you know, if you look at the elk herds in in California, they've done a lot of work and changed a lot of things around down there, and it's it's pretty impressive. There's one herd off a off a twenty going over the coast over there, a Cash Creek herd, and that. They've done a really good job. And it's kind of funny. You can come on the way up at 20. There's almond orchards on both sides. And they've had to high fence that because those animals will come down and eat the almond holes. Eat the almonds. <laughs> you know, they'll come right out of the mountains right there and come down and just and they never, trash and them. And they won't leave. They, yeah, they'll go up and lay in the shade and come back down that afternoon and feed again all night. You know, yeah. so a lot of those farmers and uh, those almond ranchers, they've had to put high fence up to try to keep the animals out. You does, know. does Rocky get deer in his oh, orchards? Yeah, that's oh, why I said they won't no, leave. Like he they, yeah. they have deer that have relocated to orchards. Oh, yeah. Drink but, right out of the sprinkler lines. And, <laughs> but they're not the almond orchards. They're. They're the ammon orchards. Oh, yeah, ammons. <laughs> See, so. Well, they have, you know, pigs do the same thing. They come down, they'll chew through the drip line to get the water. They'll root around the trees mm-hmm. where all that soft ground mud is, and then they'll eat everything, get their hands on to, you know. And, you know, back in the day when we were hunting a lot of hogs back, you know, we'd get calls from them. And you'd go out there at nighttime, you'd see 40, 50 group of hogs in an orchard after orchard after orchard and just thrashing it and of course you'll see the deer too you know they're staying on their hind legs picking almonds right off the tree you know and uh 
it's good for them. You know, they want it. They know it. It's good for them. That's why they're there, you know. And uh, trying to keep like that elk herd out has been a monumental feat. And I don't even, I think they might even gave up on it now, you know. But if you drive up there, you can see the trail coming off the mountain right down to the orchards. <laughs> you, you actually see the elk on it coming down, you know. And uh, I think they've done some different things to try to keep those elk up in the hills and away from those orchards. But uh, it, it's kind of good proof for us that, hey, almonds work you know so yeah there's been many a big deer killed in this state by finding the trails down to alfalfa fields oh yeah yeah well you go like to wyoming and colorado and these other states where the it's huge you know that's why these ranchers they draw in these hunters and they get good money for them because they got the alfalfa fields and i mean i've been in nevada over on uh the ruby marsh and that country over there and you know there's bucks standing out there you're like damn you know you go talk to the rancher hey uh what about you know, uh, yeah no thanks yeah no. get your checkbook out dude right. show me the money jerry <laughs> That's yeah, exactly yep. and the same thing if you go the opposite direction go up to elko and jackpot and up in that country you know you're running the same thing up there you know but uh, i think a lot of like in nevada's problems is they're trying to keep a handle on this mountain lion issue you know and and keep these deer healthy nevada has always been a great state to hunt in you know yeah, I'm excited. I got an elk tag this year. Yeah, I would be excited too if I lived here. <laughs> I'm going to have to start eating your feed trying to bulk up for that thing. <laughs> Get a little energy. Yeah. Is it, yeah. can humans eat it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it won't hurt you. Really? Yeah. We might yeah. try it. Let's go on the bucket bowl you, feed. You should put a little milk on it and see how it tastes. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like grape nuts. You know, so this, this is your crunch time, right? This is your, your, yeah, we're doing a lot of testing right now in some different areas, different states, you know, so everybody's getting, getting wound up, you know, and with a new feed, you know, everybody gets pretty excited about it. So, and, uh, we're excited, you know, we're we totally enjoy having these guys get back to us and see how we're doing, you know, we'll start after this year, we'll start really expanding out. So are you able to shut it down when hunting season comes around do you you still get out and hunt and no i hunt but i got cell phones and sure. <laughs> everything goes with you <laughs> yeah. Right, right. yeah it seems like there's no way to get away anymore but yeah, that's okay you know it's part of business you got to do it and so but uh, no we you know in areas that we don't get cell service you know once a day we'll drive and you know so we can talk to everybody and the secretaries and whatnot so we can make sure everything's going smooth but we try to we try to you know proofs in the pudding so we want to get out there and obviously we love to hunt and that's that's our main our main goal is to make these animals healthy and so we can come back next year so what are we going to offer the customer base rich dobbins on the let's say the curious the potential guy girl that wants to buy feed what are we going to offer them on our website on our social media where are we going to be different with the you know, as far as the knowledge or the experimentation, everything that you've done, mm-hmm. the investigation, all the studies you've done, what what are we going to offer the general public or the, the consumer, potential consumer, that'll let them have confidence in what the recipe is, the research, the history, the experience, everything that, you, that you've built into Buck and Bull? I think the one of the most important things is, you know, farmer to plate. You know, we always talk about that in human, in human terms, and I think that's just as important in animal terms, and especially the guy with these high-end animals 
animals. So they need to know where this products, the raw products are coming from, and those will be on our website so they can do some research themselves. And uh, we've talked to a lot of the, the growers themselves, and, you know, they're up for it as well, you know, so they can take some calls or if they get interest. A lot of the stuff that I've done in the past, we do soils and water tests on these grounds. Those are those will be available on the website as well too. So some of these ranches, like uh, where we get our alfalfa, you'll be able to know what alfalfa that was, where it's planted, when it was planted. There'll be a water test available for that alfalfa test, soil test. That's some of my background. I used to do a lot of ag stuff and soil, and uh, so it'll be. Uh, they'll be able to see that all the way through the process, and then we'll have some videos on stuff on how the the feed's actually manufactured and uh, why we do what we do. So I, I see that being very cool. Yeah. If you really wanted to know if you're spending your that much money on an animal or trying to raise a herd. To go be you want to make sure you're getting the premium stuff. Yeah, I did some down. feed stuff back in Texas here a couple years ago on a on our competitor feed. So the feed is labeled the number one product in the feed, which meaning the most of of whatever it is starts out at that. So alfalfa or almond hulls, whatever that case may be, will be listed in number one. If you look at some of these feeds, you'll see is basically it's floor sweepings. You know, is the number one product. Or you look at the horse feed, and this is number one in it. And if you look at the calf feed, which is $12 a bag cheaper, same stuff, different bag. So you want to make sure that you're looking at your feed labels and making sure you're getting a bang for your buck. And that's what we want to prove to everybody. This is this is it. This is what you're getting. So where do they get it? Where do they get it right now? Well, we're, we're looking for dealers, and we're looking for re- more retail. We've got some retail guys totally interested in that in Texas, which is you know a big deal. And uh, we've got some people across the other states, too, that we're looking at. We want to finish some of our other testing up and uh, do our due diligence, and then we'll start rolling into these other states. But the so feed is ready. The feed if, is ready. If you we're want making it, feed now. If you want it, you can get it right now and just have to. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. What will your first order be at the sushi bar tonight? <laughs> I don't know. What did you get me last time? I mean, I'll whatever. Y- yellow tail. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was. Wasn't shrimp. It? Yeah. yeah. Sh- the uh, the uh, shrimp bombs were really good. Oh, those were good. Yellowtail and salmon. I think the yellowtail. Yeah. Are you going to come or are you going to go clock in? Order a Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Uh, uh, we'll get those two. Okay. I got to go. To <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm what, what I'm excited about is to eventually be able to kill an animal that has been eating our feed. Absolutely. That's going to be cool. Yes. Can we get an elk for your backyard? Yep. What? An elk for the backyard? I got two of them out there. Oh, well, let's start see feeding him, them. You didn't see him wallowing <laughs> in the pool today? I saw, looked I like saw Grant some Grant Kuypers in the pool and you in Vegas. Weekend. Breaking their horns on the fence. <laughs> yeah. Looked like you and Grant Kuypers in the MGM pool in Vegas that one time. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> looked like Brad jumping off that bar top the other Did night. you see oh. the slow motion video? I took it. I took one of them. I oh. took one oh. angle. Dude, he does the best can't oh. jack. Knife and what about Uncle Mel? Did anybody get video of Uncle Mel doing it? Only in my head. No, because it didn't happen. <laughs> Everybody just thought it did. No, oh, it, happened. No, it happened. He snuck it. And he jumped in in his mask, and then it was floating on top of the pool. It was hilarious. <laughs> 
coat. with the mask on. Yeah, he, he was doing it as a joke. As a joke. <laughs> anyway, well, this has been fun. I, I, I liked hearing about it and learning yeah. about it. That's very cool. Yeah, we got it. We're, we're going to have fun doing this, you know, and yep. I think we're going to help a lot of people, you know, in the deer industry, and I, it's going to be a good deal. All you guys around. have another episode coming up right after this that'll air right after this. I think one thing that goes into a herd and when you have big animals is predator management. Mm-hmm. So I think you guys should lay down, you know, kind of the views on what's being done for predator management and where are we missing the ball? Where is a state like California where you can't chase bears, you can't chase mm-hmm. cougars with hounds. There's a lot of things that go into a successful herd. And, Absolutely. You, you know, a, they say a mountain lion will kill a deer a day if she or he needs to. The, the females are way worse than the big, fat, lazy toms, mm-hmm. but that they don't eat leftovers. They'll bury it and leave and go kill another one. They like that fresh blood mm-hmm. pumping through it. So Absolutely. Th- think about predator management and how that goes along with what we're going to be doing because we have a lot of cool initiatives coming up through buck and bull you know to help out with predator management whether it's coyotes bobcats skunks badgers cougars all of them wolves yeah. maybe i don't even know what's going on with the wolves and no it's, i do wolves. <laughs> you guys can talk about wolves because that's a big deal right now safari club international and and what's going on there so alex you want to sign us off with a song which one do you want to do well i wrote this one called buck and bull makes me full full Really? And it's a little ditty about... Was that in the Urban Cowboy with John Travolta? It was in the credits, and not a lot of people really got <laughs> Did you get publishing not, rights on that? Was playing in I the got background. a small credit at the end. You have a small what? No, John Travolta and I are very, very good friends. <laughs> is that what they call them now, is credits? They did. I think they call Where that. do they call that? Where, when do they start calling that credit? What do they call it? I don't know. You in said LA. you had a small credit. In L.A., they... <laughs> Well, it's all small, yeah, so it's stop right credits. There, <laughs> you need to eat more buck and bull, bro. I, I know. Gee, Christmas. Horn growth. Horn yeah. growth. Yeah, horn Unicorn. Growth. Yeah. Do you have the blue uh, you have a blue feed? I <laughs> got fool on buck and bull. See? I ain't no fool, so I got fool on buck and bull. See, See I put fool and fool together. Mm-hmm. I did. Fool. The new rap nowadays, you can do that. Well, you Rich, can? we appreciate you coming. Yep. We, we, uh, we'll write the rest of this song and uh <laughs> maybe i should maybe yeah maybe rich in case i forget to thank you later thank you for dinner <laughs> i have te- i have no 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 i have text proof he was going to buy his breakfast but his ranch almost burnt down so he couldn't get here in time then he said he was going to buy his lunch but no and then he went to shoot arrows at shields and then it turned into dinner so i have proof of three texts and i'm backing it up he's going to buy, buy his dinner well then i'll take mine to go <laughs> chad's going to order it though are you really not going to come to sushi really yeah. Jesus Christ. Give me a break. What's he doing? He says he has to work. Doing what? Nothing. Well, I'm going to Sturgis next week, so I'm trying to get trying to get my time in. You know money. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, not not if you're buying it. I'm not saving anything. No. <laughs> no, I mean working. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Thanks, Rich. That was good. Buckandbullfeeds.com at Buckandbullfeeds on Instagram, Buck and Bull Feeds on Facebook. Check us out all over social media. Ask Look for us on for some it. TV shows. Yeah, check out our dealer locator on our website. Coming up soon. Thank you all for joining us. Alex, sign us off. And now, oh, the end is a sneer. That was the greatest send off we could ever have. What else could I say? But thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Rich Clay. Yes. How many times do we have to say thank you? Thank Thank you, you, Andy. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We'll see you. Thank you. On the next episode. Thank you. (laughs) See you.